Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Nursing Handover podcast with your favourite dynamic duo, Diane and Jerry. Hi people, we are here with episode 20. I want to, I want to say four? three or four, one of the two, three or four yeah. on this lovely cold but not raining afternoon. Thankfully, I just hope that you guys will had a chance to check out our last episode with Maxine discussing how to maximize your potential and reach your reach for your goals. Yeah, it was definitely very insightful, very inspiring, yeah. very motivating, very very motivating. Definitely, I've tried to get everyone I know possible, whether in the nursing field or not, to have a listen because I think it'd be very beneficial for everyone. Most definitely. Yeah, but how are you, Diane? I'm good. I am good. I cannot complain. Have a day off today. So had time to do some life admin, some uni admin, some work admin, 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 admin. But it's been nice to just have a day of like not having to rush anywhere or having to look Mm. at a computer screen for a bit. That's cool. Good. good How how are you? I'm good. I'm just on annual leave at the moment. I'm trying to rest up before I start the new role on Monday yeah drum roll drum roll yeah but just tying up some loose ends with a and e and everything else at this moment in time and then onto a new chapter how are you feeling uh it's a bit daunting because i've never done anything community based i've always been acute um whether it's clinical or non-clinical so it's going to be a giant eye-opener to see what life is like on the community side i think Mm. i just think it's going to be a big change and i'm really I think I've done my fair share of clinical or like yeah. clinical. So it's time to get onto something else and see what else is out there. Most definitely. I mean, we all have a challenge and it's sure. not, not just good personally, but good professionally as well. Mm. So let's see what the future holds. I'll give you in a month's time. If you come to ask me this question, I'll probably say like, I've got a giant headache, etc. <laughs> from the stress, but no, I'm ready to embark on a new journey. See where it takes me. So yeah, we'll be keeping up with Gigi and her new job. Mm-hmm. Just like with you, Diane and her course. Mate. <laughs> trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. But hey, without us dilly-dallying, we've got some juicy topics to discuss today, guys. So I hope that you find them interesting and want to share them. Because I think they're topics that, again, are not just based in health, things that can be utilised everywhere in different different aspects so i hope you enjoy them dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so without saying much more going into our first topic we're discussing a case that was that has been shared on the news um it's about a little boy who had a pick line inserted in inserted incorrectly and for those who don't know what a pick line is please correct me if i'm wrong pick lines are peripheral intravenous basically some sort of cannula a per- a longer a longer life cannula that essentially you can deliver more drugs to and it's usually fitted in an artery rather than like a vein or somewhere else mm-hmm. so for this little boy he basically had i can't actually say what it is he had i don't know that that there's too many german sounding things in there <laughs> for me yeah. to pronounce it but um basically this that's an an illness 
that basically like, his abdomen is pretty much born outside of his body yeah so basically all his intestines are outside his body yeah and it's a condition that is diagnosed antenatally so well one mum is pregnant and throughout the pregnancy the mum and the dad and the family are prepared for the child's delivery so it's a planned delivery mm-hmm. and usually um from my experience they would come to a neonatal unit or i don't know in other areas maybe they go to pediatric intensive care and yeah. that's how they're managed shall we yeah. say and most of most of these children tend to live yeah most of them cool so yeah so basically the story is that this little boy had a pick line inserted and long story short mum had expressed her concerns and the clinicians weren't taking her seriously to like allegedly allegedly allegedly. none of us were there allegedly so our question is how were these things missed what was done are we as clinicians quite how do i say it basically do we suffer from tunnel vision or do we look outside the box to see what else is out there in order to help our our clients and patients etc etc I think you know what? Go on. Do you know what? The, the problem is with this story, it's been written very incorrectly. And yeah. one thing I will say that you have to read it because the first time I read it, I thought that the child's nasogastric tube, which is what they pass um, through the nose and you know down the back of the throat and sits at the top of the stomach, mm-hmm. I thought that's what was passed incorrectly. So instantly it's, it's a shock factor story yeah because because uh, that in fact that is another event but this situation of the pick line which i would call in in nikki the long line mm-hmm. um you know it can happen it can happen and i guess that's why you're supposed to watch those lines very very carefully mm-hmm. you're, you're you're supposed to be hourly observing that line because you're yeah. hourly writing down your intravenous pump fluid numbers and stuff like yeah. that and also utilizing um, using like your aseptic technique to to access yeah. it and all sorts yeah exactly so yes i think sometimes as clinicians you can be dismissive of of parents mm-hmm. depending on how the parents have been yeah or um if you don't really know them mm-hmm. um if the team looking after the child is new yeah themselves and inexperienced they may not know what they're even looking for mm-hmm. um and also i think sometimes there's a not a naivety but an element of well they're not medical so they don't know what they're looking for versus you are the nurse and you're the doctor so you should know what you're looking for therefore how can they tell you yeah you know that there is some people that carry that mindset i just find it a bit so str- well like you, like Diane said, the way the story's been written hasn't been quite helpful because, like, the article says, feeding tube. But when you read the story and you think about what's happened and, you know, you analyse it and the steps that were taken, the parents or the family know this person more than we do when they come into our care. So who better to understand them more than them who see them day in, day out? Like Diane said, we may not 
we may be a new team that's currently looking after this child, adult, whoever. And we don't know what they're like. So I feel like times like this, if you can see the parents or the family members or whoever is upset about something and is saying to us that, you know, their child, adult, whoever is looks very unwell. I think we should look into that a lot more. I do agree with, with Diane that also with them, sometimes we get into that mindset that as as us as clinicians sometimes think we know it all. And, you know, we're playing with people's lives essentially. And it's not all about, oh, we know it all, we don't, because we can know what the book tells us. But when you've got that live person in front of you, it could be a completely different story. Yeah, definitely. I think personally, um, like I always say to parents, is that you are the expert. I am the professional, but you are the expert. Yeah. Um, it's like we can all drive a car, but you know how to drive your car. You know how to turn it a type of way. You know how to reverse it with the mm-hmm. one hand. You know how it will fit in a particular space. But I can drive too, but I just can't drive your car. Yeah. It's the same logic with the child. I look after children. I look after babies. I think I'm, I can look after the baby with my eyes closed, actually, I think. But <laughs> I don't know your baby. Yeah. You know your baby. And so those parents are the consistent in that child's life. So mm-hmm. to me, if a mum comes and says to me, like, my child doesn't look right, the first thing that I'm going to do is go and see like okay mm-hmm. let's explore together what's wrong yeah. what do you feel is not right what's changed or show me tell me and yeah. I think it's very important to involve parents in that way because we are supposed to be partners in care and part of yeah. being holistic is acknowledging them I think it's not even just the parents because I know me and you have a pediatric background but I think even in like the adult settings also engaging with the family that this that this adult lives with because at the end of the day just because they're a certain way with us acutely doesn't mean that that's how that person's going to carry on living their lives in the community setting or at home mm. x y and z i just feel like we need to we need to sometimes need to be a bit more open with family members or next of kin to whoever's there to support that person that vulnerable person at that moment in time and sometimes we don't it's more what we think is deemed as the best when really and truly it's kind of like a scale you've got to come to you've got to reach an equilibrium with your clients yeah. service users and your patients because if you don't we're not going to achieve the best outcome for this person no and it's a shame that with this story that didn't happen from what from what we've read that didn't happen and it's led to this baby dying mm. Mm. um yeah, I mean, it's important to to understand and let people know who are listening, again, who are not medical. And some people who are medical and haven't ever encountered such a line. Yeah. That this is a line that's inserted by only doctors. And I know in um, my own area, advanced neonatal nurse practitioners can also insert these lines. Yeah. Um, this line has to be x-rayed before it can be used to check positioning. And um, usually we have to wait at least 24 hours before you can change the dressing because it's usually quite bloody. Yeah. Because you're trying to get into like an artery kind of yeah. thing. Um, 
this line can be used for medication and it can be used to give um, intravenous fluids, which are, can be nutrition. So in this case, they probably were using it for fluids for nutrition or also mm -hmm. for meds because it can have three, three like ports on it. So you yeah. can access it several times over. And the reason why you put these lines in is because they are long lasting. Yeah, because so you don't want rather... to keep um, adding cannulas or yeah. doing such procedures to young to, yeah. pick to anyone more than yeah. you need to. So that's you know why that line is put in, and it's for the better betterment of the child, improve the clinical experience, reduce the amount of, I guess, negative interactions. Yeah, because you know if you're waiting a doctor or a nurse and it's to prick you, or for blood or for anything, then it doesn't really help. Yeah. So it was a positive reason for going in. It's just so unfortunate that the ending has been so traumatic and so disastrous. Yeah. Um, lessons that can be learned from it, from the little that we've read about it. Is that never events, sadly, do happen, but this is why they're called a never event. And for someone mm. who doesn't know what a never event is, because I don't just think this is just within healthcare, it's basically a situation that should never have happened. We should yeah. never have reached the ending that we have reached should never have happened. Or for example, another way you can explain it is for example, if someone goes into surgery and I don't know, a piece of, I don't know, gauze or a cotton bud that ha that was used has been left inside the patient. That's never event because in surgery, they usually count everything twice, three times, four times, six times over to make sure that every piece of equipment they have used, they have. And if not, they usually have to like reopen up the person to check which once you've done a long a long surgery you don't want to have to be doing that back but yes yeah, so that's yeah. an explanation of a of a never event but things that can be learnt is raising awareness understanding your patients big time when also if they do have family and relatives with them utilizing them also because we only when they come into hospital we only have a snapshot of those these types of patients and something that may seem so minor to some has ended up with a such deadly cause mm. um i would say that use your senses mm -hmm. look feel see touch like as a nurse we get so busy and mm -hmm. you can probably have two patients or three patients depending on the area that you're in mm -hmm. and you are everywhere and anywhere and you're just about catching your breath with this task and that task and this person wants you and that person needs you and that's due. But remembering that you are the clinician for that child for that day or for that mm -hmm. patient for that day and you need to try and know what is really going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where you need to be able to say something is too much. Yeah, and I think this is where, you know, we always got taught in back, taking it back to basics with learning school. If you see something that's not right, escalate it. Because yeah. reading this case, I don't know whether whoever was the allocated nurse for this particular child had done had said anything. But if you know that you need to be checking these lines on a regular and you're checking them and you're not getting blood back or you're not getting resistant, you know, what you're supposed to be getting, that should always be a cause for concern because of how precious that line is but I think with any lines for example like if you have a peripheral venous um, catheter which is just a normal cannula 
on like your arm, your leg, wherever you can, wherever, wherever you can get it that goes into a vein, you check before giving drugs. You don't just push the drugs through. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So the same checks that we have for that is what we should be utilizing for such precious lines and more. Yeah. Um, I would say another thing is, um, remember that everyone's on the same team. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that you're not happy with, yeah no be be able to identify who you can go to Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of times when you look after patient it's your first time seeing a line or you're not sure what signs and symptoms you should be looking for if it's not working or it's it's making the child unwell yeah or you may work with a doctor who's new to the area and they don't know and you're gonna have to guide them so it's just very important to remember that um I, i would also say being able to say that my workload is too much or I can't keep up. I feel like as um, professionals in any setting, nobody wants to appear to be like they're struggling. Yeah. Everybody but... wants to say that they can cope, that they can manage, that they, they're on top of their stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you're able to look after your patients and you are happy with the care that you're giving. Yeah. And if you're not and you feel like you need more support, you shouldn't feel ashamed to say no. that or to put your hand up and ask for it this is like the number one thing that you know everyone gets taught in nursing school or even well not that healthcare assistants go to uni or anything but if you need help always ask for whatever it is like Dan said at the end of the day we're one team we have one goal and that's to keep our patients alive so utilize it don't feel ashamed if you're not 100% sure you want to be sure for your patient because you don't want to have to make that mistake on your patients and it blow out into something big like this yeah and it's it's very 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 important because yeah. I can only imagine what that team must feel like mm-hmm. um especially having it in the media I mean people cannot of, co- of course locate specific people who are involved in that child's care but it's the fact that something so personal and so tragic has happened mm-hmm. in your into you as a as a person but also professionally you've had to encounter this this death and yeah. the aftermath of it and the impact because if people that were there so these feelings are having to be reignited for them mm-hmm. as well so definitely important when stuff like this happens is to debrief yeah um talk about it talk about what went well what we can learn from it almost like what we're doing now we're kind of breaking down the article and we're kind of debriefing from what we've read essentially yeah so if anyone would like to read this particular story or have it linked up um with the post that comes out in regards to the, to this ep- this week's episode but no definitely check it out because i think it's something that's shaken me um to open my eyes a bit better not that i've ended up in a situation like this but in order to stop me from ever ending up in a situation like this like i know what i would do for my patients and how i would escalate and i know for some some people feel shy to not do that but I think this case is a, gives you a clear cut understanding of why you need to escalate and, and act on concerns that you or the families may have. Don't get me wrong, sometimes, you know, you may think that the families are just trying to be naggy, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a reason for that. And like we said right at the beginning, they know this patient a lot better than we do. They've been living with their family members or carers for however long. They know them a lot better than we do. We only have the snapshot picture. 
and and also just to like remember that to them it's not a patient it's their child or their mother or their uncle or their sister or their friend or it's very different and Mm -hmm. I think you have to be on the other end or something to understand it a bit because some people if you've never been in a situation where you're faced with somebody in that environment you don't know how it feels yeah and it's hard to see yourself like that but again a big part of of our nurse nursing the six seat one of the part of the six seat is communication yeah it's you need to communicate you need to talk you need to converse you need rapport and if you don't have that how can you deliver efficient care yeah and it can be hard not everyone can do it it's not doesn't come natural to people but i think as a nurse it's a foundation it's Mm -hmm. it's some it's you have to be that kind of a person because that's the only way i guess you can come to you can make decisions or you can share care Mm -hmm. and, and make families or other support systems be involved in a beneficial and positive way yeah because a lot of a lot of relatives and i would say again because i I, i'm a i'm i've worked in niku is as long as they are told they're fine as long as they give an explanation they are fine people want a reason and it's the same way you want a reason for why something has happened or you want an explanation for why something has happened and that's within anybody's right regardless of what situation you're in and what's happening if something's happening and you don't understand it you want someone to explain it to you and reassure you and then you're fine again yeah so I think is there any more you'd like to share on this particular topic Diane before we move on to our next no I think I'll just say that I just hope that the team are being well supported after what's happened I hope that there's been a good debrief and some lessons have been learned and I hope that the family are being given the right support for their loss. Yeah. And yeah, that it doesn't happen again. I'm glad. Definitely glad. But I think your points are very, very, very valid and definitely wants to learn from. Hey, 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 hey. And saying that, moving on to our next topic. As you guys may have seen, a lot there's been a lot of info and a lot of things going on in regards to child poverty in the UK and this week being half term there's been an uproar with the government deciding that they're not going to hand out free school meals or free meals to families that definitely need it during this time so with that being said as we know Marcus Marcus Rashford yes was that correct he started like this big thing earlier on in the year about how people on low parent families on low incomes really really this is something that they really really need and I think since the government has decided to shut it down again it's told us it hasn't told us things that we don't already know about our government but you can see there's a sense of community that communities themselves are putting things together to make sure that these families can be fed because it's such a shame that children come to school and they're unable to be fed at home and not that it's any fault of their parents or not they've been left to suffer and we shouldn't have to see children suffer like this ever like food is such a bit like they call it a basic necessity and if we're not able to help how we were supposed to how uh, let me start again if we're not able to help how are we able to support the upcoming the upcoming generation 
that we want to essentially succeed us. So I think with that being said, initially I thought that this may not have much input within nursing but I think it does because when you look into the community settings like school nursing and health visiting and community nursing if you can see that you're going into these homes and these families aren't being fed or they're trying their hardest how are you and how are you to essentially give that care because for example if you're a community nurse and you're going in to give drugs or do whatever food is a basic necessity that this will also help that patient to get better again So I kind of see it as that this is something that we need to speak on, that the fact that I'm quite proud of the community that I come from, that people are willing to help. And it's not like, you know, the government said no, so we're all going to say no. So I think a lot more people have utilised this service rather than, than more than we would ever know. And I'm probably so grateful that they've got people in the community that are willing to help. As, time, as, hard, as times are hard and also think about what we've been through this year with corona alone like so many people have lost their jobs so poverty in general has skyrocketed not even just child poverty because the situation like none of us thought that 2020 would bring about corona and all the things that have come from it so for this to happen our government to say no i think it's quite shocking Do you know what? It's not shocking. You don't think it's so? Not. No, it's not. It's not shocking because we're in a society where the divide between the rich and the poor is forever becoming greater and greater. Mm-hmm. We are in a society where the upper class are in charge. Yeah. The affluent and the rich people are the ones in charge. Um, these are people that don't know struggle. These are people that don't know strife. These are people that have not lived from paycheck to paycheck who have not had to go to a food bank or had or needed to use food vouchers so they have no idea how much their decisions are impacting on generation millennial generation zero whatever they don't know the impact that they're having um Mm. you know we're in a rich country but we should kind of be ashamed of our wealth because the poverty is shocking in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, you watch the adverts on TV of them showing how poor they are in Africa, but we have just the same poverty here, just in bricks and mortar. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's important to kind of state the fact that it's not just low-educated people or from lone parent houses that are accessing food banks and don't have enough money. Yes, there's yeah. people out there, but you have nurses going to food banks. Yeah. You have other professionals going to food banks. So poverty is a universal language, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, yeah. Back to what Judy said about it being shocking. No, because if you have a government that can reward themselves with pay rises, who can make rules and break them, and have no consequences, then they they can play God with people's lives because they know that they can. Um, in our system here in the UK, we have a benefit system, and part of this, there's also um, something called child benefit. So this mm-hmm. is what parents can apply for, 
and they get a bit of money every week to go towards their child and I think, I'm not sure how long you get child benefits for actually I think you get up to like your 16 and up to 18 if you say well everyone kind of has to stay in education until 18 so probably it's up to 18 now right so before every child could get child benefit in this country and that helped a bit because at least the parent would know that there's that money coming in and yeah. I could use it for this, I could use it for that. I can find a way to make that work. Um, if you have more than two children now, after the first two get it, there is no more child benefit for the third, fourth and beyond. I just wanted to ask, is that at the same time? Or, for example, if I had two kids, say I had, you know, I already had a child and I've got a second child and then 15 years later, I have another. You're I not getting it. Wow. So the first two will get it, but your third won't get it. Wow. And from what the statistics say, it's had a very significant impact. Um, I'm not surprised. You know? Because if you think about it, if you were getting, I don't know how much child benefit is a week, but for example, let's call it £50. If you get £50 a week for your first two, like say when we were younger, for, and you had six kids, my math is not great, but that's probably around three hundred pounds. Yeah, extra per week. And like, if you have, and if you've got six kids now, you're only getting two. You're only getting covered for two. Like, what? What are you supposed to do? I just kind of see this slyly as like, you remember back in the day when they used to talk about like the Chinese one child policy, mm, like that's a cleansing. What, yeah, that's what it feels like because it's like they're saying, okay, you can't have too many kids because we can't afford them because we as a nation can't afford them but you can continue having your kids but we're just never going to help you out yeah i mean it's just it's just how do you cripple society it's like somebody's on the floor and then you take the floor from under them like how yeah you know um so with the way the free school meals are working, even when children were on holiday, schools were still going to supply meals yeah. for those that required them. So those that are probably parents receiving benefits or not working, yeah. the vulnerable children, looked after children, children they, that definitely rely on school meals in term time. Yeah, and they were also doing it, like once Corona properly hit, I know they were offering it to those children that were receiving free school meals during that yeah. time as well to help out also um so yeah it's it is and the funniest part is as much as the government have done this this has also rallied a very big community spirit and if you're someone who is active on social media you can see that many businesses have stepped up um to donate food and offer free school meals for this half term period and beyond yeah just to show people that they're not alone and there is a sense of community and we're here we understand and we we get it and we don't want your children to starve yeah so it's kind of amazing to see it but also unfortunate that the government even had this as a debate because as um the mp said the labor mp said in her in her powerful powerful speech that food should not be a luxury it's a necessity yeah but clearly herself yeah and she herself was a recipient of free school meals and luckily for her as she's had this she's been able to flourish throughout life and get to where she is. Obviously, it's not saying that, you know, just based off free school meals, your child's going to exceed all sorts and become the new PM. But this was one, her, this was one headache 
that her mum didn't have to take on during that maybe not even just her mum like her family didn't have to take on during that time how can we deny that to our own people yeah so just to um throw in some facts and figures so um in this country in the uk 4.2 million children are living in poverty at the moment and that is one in four children are affected by poverty so for every fourth child you see one of them is in poverty Mm. um and it does statistics show that these children tend to pretend to um underperform at school and earn less as adults so already just that start in life has going to impact their future yeah you know already um 44 percent of these children belong to single parent families Mm. and that is usually because a there is no additional earner because Mm -hmm. obviously it's the lone parent um and they can sometimes earn a low salary because the parent can be working part-time or flexible hours and childcare costs because of course if that parent has to work somebody must look after the child so of course money has to go into different places and what is left you know may not be a lot yeah um quite shockingly i don't know if it did shock me um it said that the bme so that is the black minority ethnic community are more at risk of poverty and there are 46 percent that are now in poverty in comparison to 26 percent of children who identify as white british yeah so it's quite a big amount in poverty it's huge yeah it's a lot and it just shows you and these these statistics are correct as of july 2020 so they're very up to date and mm-hmm. that just shows you that there's so much to do and to be done and it's quite concerning that with those statistics there this is still not a priority for our government but it's like what do they what do we think they want do they want to see that the whole country is going under but if anything as we know they they're a system that benefits the rich so it, like you said what do we expect yeah, it's just, it's so unfortunate because it just means that these children, you're kind of setting them up for, to fail, essentially. Yeah. You know? And it's I think the thing, that, the thing that is very frustrating is that um, between 1990 and 2003, reducing child poverty was made a priority. So it was something that was invested in and there was a strategy and According to, again, um, childpoverty.org.uk, according to their website, they said that the number of children in poverty fell by 600,000. Wow. 600,000. And again, the same um, organisation have also said that if they had, if they um, removed the two-child limit on, on the benefit system, that would lift 100,000 children out of poverty. Wow. So it's big. It's very big, you know? I think we're looking at this thinking, oh, you know, it's not as bad as it is, but we're in a very, very messed up state. Yeah. It's a worse, especially with the outcomes of what we've seen of corona itself. Yeah. What do we expect is going to happen? And also, I think an issue is we're living in a society where the cost of living is going up. 
Yeah, think about and it. A the, lot of and, us. and the job salaries don't match. For sure. And if you look into it, a lot of us haven't... Um, what's the word? A lot of us have had to move out of London to be able to live, to be able to do normal things in London. Mm. And makes you think like, wow, how much have we spent... Or how how much do we spend trying to sort out these things? Yeah. It's just a big shame. This is the world we live in. But however, we can't live in a world, we can't live in a communist state. So I, I highly doubt that would be any better for us. Mm. Which is basically, which I don't know. It's something that hurts my heart that this is the world that we have to live in. But what can we do? It's it's kind of like someone has to be on the on the receiving end, whether whether it's positive or negative. But it's just a shame. Like I wouldn't want to see that be a child. Yes. So in in talking about child poverty and talking about um, free school meals, mm-hmm. what do you think are some solutions to ending poverty? How can we end poverty? like I've been I've been dwelling on this trying to think and think I mean I tried to think myself from other conversations I've had with others if I'm honest I don't know because it's either we go into a somewhat communist state and everyone gets the same as everyone else Mm. but I don't think that's any better Mm. and even if we were to say so like I was talking to my dad about this yesterday and he was like when we were younger no, not even like when we were, he said when, before he moved away, he was saying he knew that, for example, children, when children were born, they were getting a starting, a starting off in life with 500 pounds. So every child he had, the government was given 500 pounds per child. Mm. And obviously what you do as that parent or carer for that, that with that money is entirely up to you, but that's not going to sustain for a very long time. But then my point of view was that everyone has the same starting off the same starting off as they're born because i think if you look at like sweden and those nordic places like their systems are if you have a child they get like i've forgotten the name of the box there's like a box that has nappies everything that like the box could even be used as a cot for for, for for a little time just so that you can find your feet as like new parents etc every child yeah. is given that so it's kind of like every child starts off with the same the same start regardless of whether you're the king of the town Mm. or you know you're that beggar's child from across the way but in terms of ending poverty I I don't know I really don't know I don't really think there's a as much as we try to reduce it I don't know how we can succeed by doing so because Uh. I think it's it's a lot bigger than we think and even if we continue to help out all these families and all these people where is that money coming from Mm. because like we talk about ourselves as nurses and you know we don't have the greatest salary if I was now to go and donate my salary to someone else what am I going to live off yeah exactly and And also why should you have to yeah like we work very hard for our money and I'm not saying that I don't help but if I want to be able to give that sort of life to someone else how would I do so? Yeah. And if and I it's wait, unfortunate, to... it's unfortunate that as members of society, we are trying to find ways 
I mean, yeah. it's great because we should, but the people that should be spearheading it, the government, aren't. Yeah. No. They're far from trying to do any of that. And it's like, we voted them in. Well, no, we didn't actually. We didn't vote, vote these ones in. I didn't vote these ones in. But as in, at the end of the day, someone, in our, some people in our community voted them in and they won. And this is what they've put here. As much mm-hmm. as we detest it, this is the world we live in. So for yeah. now, how can we support them? I don't... Because I think back to like... Like even if you look in the Bible, I'm not getting religious on everyone, but if you look at the Bible and you look at the stories, and I think you may even have these stories in a different religious text as well. There's always someone who's rich, 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 and there's always mm. a winner. I don't know if you can ever actually eradicate poverty because otherwise, how will we live? Because I can't lie, I don't want to live in a communist state. Mm. I don't think many people want to either, and I don't see what sorts of outcome that will have for us even within poverty because mm. you can still live in a communist state and still have like four thousand kids and get the same money so i don't see how that would be any better yeah i see what you mean but i also feel like people should be able they should be you know you've got your working class your middle class your upper class yeah but people shouldn't have to suffer kids shouldn't go about food kids people shouldn't have to choose between electricity and heating yeah People should people should be able to have like a basic package to live by. Yeah, because even like I think about conversations that me and you have had off off like recording a podcast just in general, and it's like how Mm. if you look at things like for example with when the kids went off from school and they were all go work like doing school via Google Schoolroom or whatever, who's to say that in that household they've the family can facilitate this yeah for example if you live in a family that you've only got one laptop and mum and dad have to work from home someone has to compromise and you've got children that need to do schoolwork, or for example they don't have a smartphone or anything how do you think this is going to happen it just mm. can't and I think now for example like dealing with that to open a lot of people's eyes I'm not saying that's child poverty because that that's not what but you know what Gigi in a way it can be because let's say for example if we look at the basic necessities in a home yeah you need to have somewhere to sleep yeah you need to have access to hot water yeah you need to have a house that can be warm in winter yeah um a kitchen to make food a fridge to keep the food in a toilet that works so you can go and re- you know relieve yourself yeah and you need to have internet because yeah. most stuff is on the internet and you need it, you know? So yeah. I think as, as time has changed, also what becomes a basic necessity also changes. Yeah, because if you think about it, people don't have brick phones anymore. If you have brick phones, inverted commas, you're doing something dodgy or you're super old. Yeah. But people are rolling with the times. And like you said, everything is done pretty much on the internet. But if, the, if, you, if you can see that these families don't have that, how do you expect them to flourish how do you expect someone to sit there and write an essay on a, on a phone? Don't get me wrong. When push comes to shove, people will do it. They do it because they have to, not because they want to and they're using, but, and they're utilising all that they've got. How can this help? How can this be it? Mm. I just think this particular subject is something that we can discuss forever because there's so many different avenues. Yeah. 
And I think it's not even just child poverty you're looking at, you're looking at poverty as a whole. Because I get like the topic we're discussing more so is like the free school meals being given to to children and their families. But there's so much more to this yeah, that we ourselves just in this conversation have unpacked. And I just think like, you know what? What would be better? Mm. What, having that essential type of communist rule or how we're living now because if I you just think, think about it, go on no I just think that I can understand yes a communist rule or whatever mm-hmm. but there must be a way to facilitate people so that people are not in extreme poverty yeah they must there has to be some kind of way yes in life there has to be people on top and people at the bottom I'm mm-hmm. not arguing and saying that's not the case but you can't have children going hungry. No. That's the last thing you'd ever want. You know, that child didn't ask to be born. That child didn't ask to be in that situation. No. And yes, you may, you may then turn around and say, well, that parent should have thought about that before they had that child. But anybody can be a victim of poverty. You can be yeah. in a four-bedroom house today and be in a hostel tomorrow. Trust so me. As we don't know. Yeah, and as we've seen this year alone, again, with corona... People have literally lost jobs. People in high-flying jobs, doing all sorts, people have lost their jobs at literally at a click of a finger. Yeah. And look where, I, where they are now. Yeah, life is fragile and things can change. And that's, I think, the reason why, to me, poverty is everybody's business because you don't know when you'll be a victim of it. Yeah. Um, it's like a silent creeper. Mm-hmm. And there's many people who you probably see look very well put together but could be going home to an empty fridge. Yeah who are going home to a very cold house. That's still poverty. It's an element. It may not be, it may not be a, a, a large degree of poverty, but it is part of it. They're yeah. lacking something basic that they should have, but they can't have. Yes. And like, that shouldn't stop them from essentially beginning to flourish. And no. become the best they can be. So I think... For me, I think I would say just like to to sign off on the on the topic of poverty, I will um, say it's, um, a quote that Nelson Mandela said was, mm-hmm. "Overcoming poverty is not a gesture of charity; it, it is an act of justice." Yeah. And yeah, I think it it definitely. When I read that, I thought, yeah, and that's how I felt about the free school meals and that's how I felt about the community rallying around to support one another. Yeah. Definitely. It's an act. It is. It's not charity. It's justice. And and justice, you know, you get your just desserts. Yeah. You know, it's what is right. And I agree with Dan so much when it comes to this because like you said, it's everyone's problem. Yeah. It's not just some people's. Like for example, you couldn't sit there and watch your friend suffer. No. I could not. I couldn't. I could not. And and it pains me. I mean, I'm the kind of person, I'm an empath. So if someone's in pain, I, I automatically can feel that pain for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like the whole free school meals thing. That's why people are so passionate because can you just imagine someone coming home and thinking, well, they're not going to eat for a week. Yeah. Or a, a parent or a guardian or a carer having to decide that well, like, they need to eat, so I just won't. I'm just going to have that's, a bit of water. Yeah, that's, that's a very 
cruel, cruel thing to have to throw in someone's lap. They shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, Nelson Mandela said it best. He did indeed. God rest his soul. But I think, guys, this is where we end this week's episode. Yeah, most definitely. Um, as Gigi always says, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nesting Handover podcast on Instagram, or you can hit us up on our personal personal pages. Um, Jelly Bean with two L's. Is it and two A's? I think three two L's. Three L's. Three and two L's and two, and two A's. And you can yeah. get me on DZ Lutz. Lutz with a Z on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also email us at the Nesting Handover podcast at gmail.com she says and yeah just don't be strangers as we always always say yeah and we would love to hear what you guys think about the free school meals being denied in the Mm -hmm. uk um we will also try and get some information on food banks and put that up with this post yeah go on no i was just saying just because not everybody can openly admit to the education and that's okay but we'll put stuff out there some resources yeah and if you do need anything we've been posting even on our personal pages as well we've been posting places that you can you food banks and plate restaurants and other places that are that are offering hot meals just just hit them up contact and they'll be able to help you guys out and i think for quite a few places it's not just during the half terms a lot of them will be ongoing also yeah so on that note, guys, we will be back next week with another episode. Hope you've liked what you've listened to today. Please tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend and check us out. Most definitely. And one thing I will say, guys, is, um, yeah, like Gigi said, keep following. Um, we are planning our first giveaway. So yeah. keep your eyes on the Instagram. Definitely. Until next time, guys, take care. See you later. Bye.